All right, if we could uh, stand up again. Simon says. <laughs> Simon says, dismiss the kids. Thank you. All two, all two of you. <laughs> Must be a good Bible teacher if uh, the kids keep asking to be dismissed. All right, hey, it's good to be here in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, coming here, uh, who is re- re- relentless? You know, I was thinking about that and uh, referring to today's message a little bit, I was thinking about how the devil is relentless, isn't he? Has the devil slowed down at all? No. Is he, does he have teeth? Says he devours, so he must have teeth. Is he a little cat? Or is he a lion? He's a lion. You know, is he telling the truth? No. So when we look in the Bible, we see the devil is very active and uh, he is relentless. And I was just thinking in the days that we are in today, how important it is to gather all the more, the Bible says, right? It says when the days come to the end, we should gather less because it's inconvenient. That's what it says in my Bible. I wrote it myself, you know. I chained, took it out, little, you know, eraser and retyped it. No, it says as the days approach, as the days are evil, and we see, in, you know, the days are evil. This is, we could almost say that June is Satan's month now, can't we? <laughs> um, but do you know what? It says we gather all the more. And I want to encourage you that the devil is relentless, and he will destroy you. And don't, um, don't become, I don't know, like, I don't want to be like too hard. I don't want to be like that, because I'm not that kind of guy. But, you know, just, just be, yeah, be, be with God. You know, last week we talked about seeking heaven, like seek heavenly things. And this, this week we talked about being heavenly minded. All right, so let's open our Bibles as we're standing to Colossians chapter 3. And as always, we're going to open our Bible because it's the Bible that has authority in our lives. So if you guys are going to make it through the week, you need to have the Bible, so we're going to get it today, all right? Colossians 3, verses 2 through 4. And set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Yeah, amen. One more passage, Romans chapter 8. We can turn there. It's hard to turn to two Pauline epistles, because the Pauline epistles are so rich but we're going to try it. Romans 8, verse 5. Only one verse. The whole chapter is amazing. But Romans 8, 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirits on the things of the Spirit. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will Help us, as we speak about being heavenly minded, help us to be mindful of the message today. 
Help us to have our antennas up. Help us to have our ears wide open, our notebooks open, our Bibles opened. Help us to really be ready to receive from you, Lord. We just thank you for everybody that came today, and we pray that you will bring healing, that you will speak loudly the depths of our hearts, that you will gain control over little islands and little things that we have kept from you. We just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So how many of you guys have heard the statement that some people are so heavenly minded they are no earthly good? You guys heard that? Have you ever said that to somebody? I, I have actually, yeah. I mean, you are like, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I realize that it was because of my own spiritual immaturity. <laughs> and I would say something like, like that to disguise you know, my immaturity and look at them in a way that maybe they are, they are immature. Also, how many of you guys know Johnny Cash? Before my time, I listened to him a little bit. And one of his songs, he says this. He says, you're shining your light and shine you should, but you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. <laughs> and I was thinking about these two, you know, quotes. You know, one from Johnny Cash, one from Oliver Holmes saying these things, and you know, I was realizing as I was reading them that these criticisms that some believers have towards other believers are without warrants, aren't they? Because when we think about this idea of that you are so heavenly minded and you are no earthly good, that claim is actually completely false, isn't it? Because when we look out throughout... Um, you know, church history, what do we find? But we find that the more mindful people are of heaven, and I, I say not of that as a destination, but I think of that as a standard, right? So when we say heavenly mind, it doesn't mean that I'm thinking of one day I'm going to be on streets of gold and I want to, you know, look at a crystal sea and, and, all, and have a mansion in heaven. We're not talking about that, but we're talking about a standard that when Christ came to earth, he communicated it very clearly that he said that this is the way that you should believe. This is the way that you should think. And we're going to look into this way that God has us to think and that we should be mindful of a little bit later. But when we speak of heaven, we're speaking about a way of thinking and a way of not thinking. Because when we are in heaven, there is a certain way that people, that citizens of heaven, are thinking in a certain way, right? Right? Like, and they're not worried about the things that are here. They're not thinking this direction, but they are thinking about God and the way God thinks. And when they're sitting at a dinner table, they're not talking about politics, but they're seated with Abraham and Isaac. They're seated with David. They're seated with Deborah. And they're talking about things of God. That's what it means to be heavenly minded. And so many times we want to be so earthly minded and we are so concerned about the things of this earth that we forget the things of God. But if you look throughout church history and you see that the more that they were heavenly minded, the more earthly good that they were. I mean, science was born by through believers, wasn't it? I mean, Isaac Newton, professing believer. I mean, many of these people who come up with scientific laws, not theories, 
You know, now our schools are pushing theories, and we heard this morning those theories are nailed together, and even though there's no scientific law proving them to be absolutes, but many believers have came up with uh, scientific laws and that are actually absolutes, right? I mean, it is amazing. How about philanthropy? How about, you know, all these other things that believers have done over and over and over again throughout church history? And what were they? They were heavenly minded. They were heavenly minded. And I want to encourage us that actually it is statements like that saying that you are so heavenly minded, you are no earthly good, that discourages people from being radical in their faith. Because I can be so consumed with the gospel that I could maybe um, not, be, not be living in faith. You know, or I could, ha- you know, I could be so consumed with the way the things the world is that I'm not living in faith. But if I'm consumed with the things of God, what does it encourage me to do? It encourages me to think about the things of God. And if we had more people who would open their Bible today and they, w- they would look and they'd see, what does the mind of God say about this? And name the topic. What does the mind of God say about love? They could look in the Bible and they could see, this is what God says about love. What does God say about hate? That's that's an amazing word, hate. Because the Bible has something to say about it, and there's a right way to hate and there's a wrong way to hate. Did you ever know that? That's amazing. It says love your enemies, but there are things that we are also supposed to hate, and the Bible teaches us these things. And then we only realize those things if we have a mind that is set on things in heaven. So very simply, today's purpose and the message is really to get us and to provoke us that we don't think about heaven enough. And I don't care who you are and how heavenly minded you are, I still guarantee that we probably don't think about heaven enough, do we? This morning, it was an interesting morning. Um, you know, my wife uh, is traveling, so she's away. So it's just me and Elias at the house. You know, it's a boys' weekend. And actually, I was surprised. At around 12.30, I was just sitting at home, and the house was so quiet. <laughs> and I was like, and the, the doer in me, right? I'm a doer in me. It's like, all right, I got to do something. I got to get out of my, out of, you know, but then I was like, I just sat there. I said, you know what? I'm going to sit and I'm going to think about the message more. I'm going to sit and think about people in my church, the people who listen to these messages. I'm going to sit and pray for them. I want to sit and think about the struggles that they have in their life. And I'm going to meditate. And I say that not to say this very simple thing, that how often do we sit in silence and meditate on heavenly things. And I guarantee it's not enough. We need to have a heavenly mindset. And this is what Paul is telling us in Romans and Colossians. And he says two things. There are two actions that lead to two minds, okay? Two actions that lead to two minds. And what we want to say first is what are these two actions? And we see them in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. And this is it right there. It says, right, the first thing it says, it says, set your mind. Set your mind. 
The second thing is Romans 8, 5, and it says that we live. The King James uh, says, says something funny, actually. Anybody have a King James here? What does the King James say, Romans 8, 5? Yes. Yeah, so that word, they that are, isn't that an interesting passage? So this, we're going to get there, yeah, I'm jumping ahead, so. But they that are, that's the word to live. That is the word live. So the two actions are, number one is like, what are we setting our minds on? And number two, what are we, they that aring? <laughs> or what are we living, right? What are we living so number one, setting. I just want to read this definition that we find in, in, in the Greek. It means that what are we entertaining or what opinion do we have? I really enjoy that because this word here, you know, as I was studying it, there, you know, for the mind, there is like the intellectual side, right? And I, I thank God for colleges that teach doctors to be doctors and engineers to be engineers. We are standing in this building and we're not falling through the floor because someone went to school and they gained knowledge. They gained a mind and they knew how to do something. But this word, it, it includes that. It includes that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. It includes that we are gaining knowledge about God or we're gaining knowledge about the flesh. We are, we are gaining academic information in our mind, but then it is processed, this is the word mind, it is processed through our emotions and now begins to be the way that we act. So this word, to set your mind, it's all one Greek word, and it is a very powerful word because it doesn't only include what, you're what information you're consuming, but it includes also how you're digesting the information. Okay? Understand that? I mean, that's a lot right there, isn't it? It's a lot right there. I mean, so let's break that down really quick. What kind of information do we consume? I mean, we, we consume information from the news. Anybody have a news app on their phone? You click on it once in a while? Yeah, it's, and it's okay. I'm not shaming you, okay? You have... Facebook or Instagram or TikTok on your phone, you're clicking through it. This isn't a same session, so don't worry. I'm just saying these are things that we have, all right? So we have music, right? We're listening to music. Uh, we have YouTube. Um, we have commercials on these things. Uh, we're watching TV. We're watching movies. So where are we receiving our education? Through these things, right? We are. And it, again, it's not, I'm not shaming. It's just reality, Right? It's just part of life. But we are receiving an information through this. But how are we digesting this information? How are we emotionally consuming this information? And how does it uh, uh, boil or how does it uh, set in our That's a good word. How does it set in our hearts? Right? It sets in our hearts in a certain way. And if it's done the wrong way, what does it produce? That we are mindful of the things of the flesh. Our hearts are set. I mean, I love it the way it says in Colossians. You know, set your, things, set your mind on things above, not things on the earth. 
So we could be setting our minds and receiving information and digesting this information emotionally in such a way that now we are setting our mind on things on this earth. What does that look like? I want to be a little radical here today just just to provoke you in your faith. But what does that mean? That means maybe that God could have me do something crazy. Something crazy. I mean, here's a good example. I'm going to use my own life for an example so that way that you guys can understand what I'm thinking, okay? When we moved back from China, for one, moving to China was crazy. 21 years old. Uh, No, married at 21, so we were 23 when we moved to China. You know, we just packed our bags and we went there and we lived there for eight years. I mean, that was radical, but you could say we're young and, and stupid, you know? And, you know, it's partially true, maybe. Uh, but we had a lot of fun. It was amazing. But here, here to me is the most radical thing, is moving back. Moving back. Where do I move? What, what causes you to make that decision, going from a place like China to coming back to the United States? What kind of decision do I make? So there's information, right? I'm receiving information. I'm processing the information. And then I make a decision. And that's a question I'm asking you. Like, how, how would you make that choice? <laughs> and I guarantee most people's first thoughts, and a good Christian is, they're, they're going to say, now we talked about this on the ride yesterday. Uh, most people are going to say, I prayed about it. But do you know what prayer sometimes mean? It means that you are self-talking. It's not prayer sometimes. Sometimes we say we're praying, but all we're doing is we're talking to ourselves about it. Sometimes that's what it is. And what is the difference? It's maybe so subtle, but I guarantee that sometimes we say we're praying for something, but all we're doing is communing with ourselves and our own information, and we're not making a godly decision. We're making a decision based on human reason. And we're going to see that here. I will get there in Matthew. But when we say that we're praying to God, it's that God oftentimes, he is going to bring us into a place that is so outside of ourselves and is so uncomfortable. That's what God is going to do. Almost 100% of the time, isn't he? And he brings us into that place. Why? Because that's where he, that's where his mind is. That's where his mind is. That's where his mind is for you. That's where his mind is for his plan for you and his plan for the church and his plan for others around you being there. That is his mind. But if we're not consumed with the minds of God, we make a rational decision based on our own wisdom. That is why when we set our minds, we need to be careful what we are entertaining Here are some quotes from different scholars about this. He says, you must not only seek heaven, but you also must think heaven. I love that, because last week we talked about what? Seeking heaven. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, I believe it's on Spotify. Listen to it. Great message about seeking heaven. But we can't only seek heaven, but we also have to begin to think heaven. Meaning that we are pursuing godly things, but for us to pursue godly things, we also have to be mindful of godly things. Amen? 
Uh, this is amazing. It, you know, listen to this. This is completely contrary to what the culture is teaching us today. It says, it does matter what we think, and we are responsible for our thoughts. I love this little quote. Do you know why? Because it teaches me that I am in control of the way that I think. Have you ever committed a sin and to say, I couldn't help myself? <laughs> and we say that, and what does that mean? It means like, like it is in my thought pattern, and I, and, I, and I just felt like I couldn't control the way that I was thinking, so I just did it, you know? It's like bringing me to a pizza restaurant. I'm staring in front of a pizza window and just staring at it. And I am telling myself I'm not going to eat the pizza. I'm not going to eat the pizza. I'm not going to eat the pizza. You know? and, I, and then I guess what? I'm in there you know, in the pretzel factory, whatever that place is, and eating a, eating a delicious pizza. It's like an addict sitting there saying, and I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to pick up the bottle. I'm not going to pick up the bottle. But see, what they are doing is they are fellowshipping. They are mindful. They're entertaining their mind with the very thing that they are saying that they need to get rid of. And I told one brother, I says, you know, the more you tell yourself you're not going to do something, the more you're going to do it because you need to get rid of that thing out of your mind completely. Don't even mention you know, it's not positive thinking to say, I'm not going to do this drug. We don't need positive thinking. We need godly thinking. We need faith thinking. We need more people who, instead of thinking about what they're not going to do and then succumbing to their own uh, devices, we need people to say, I need to think with God. And I am struggling here, and that is okay, and, 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 but it's not okay, but it's okay, and I am struggling, but what I'm going to do is I'm cons going to consume, I'm going to entertain, I'm going to purpose in my mind to think with God. I love that passage in Daniel, right? It says he purposed in his heart. Is that the end of Daniel? Does anybody remember? Is that when he was praying, Right? Could you imagine Daniel, you know, he, he goes into captivity. He's with how many, I think two or three different rulers of Babylon. And he stays up there in his position. And at the end of his life, he's like, you know what? I've done all this, you know, the fire, the, you know, I've done this and, you know, and this and this. And you know what? I'm at the end of my life. I'm not going to stop now. I'm going to purpose in my heart, just says. It's the same idea, purposing in your mind, meaning you're going to entertain the things of God. You are responsible for your thoughts. And if you say that you're not, it's because you haven't entertained the things of God. Start entertaining the things of God, and you'll find yourself in more control of your thoughts. You're not in control because you're entertaining the things of this earth as it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Amen. I almost want to ask if there's any questions. That was good. <laughs> Amen. Number two is Romans 8, 5, right? The things that are, this is the word in the King James, they that are. It's interesting that the New King James, and I'm sure the NLT kind of all translates it the same way. It says the way that we live, right? Um, let's read it. Those who live according. You know, that's, that's really interesting because 
the way we live, it becomes who we are, isn't it? And it's sad to say that sometimes, because sometimes the way that we are living is not our identity. Um, God defines our identity, but oftentimes our experience and our actions really become what defines us. Um, AA, right, you go to AA and it says, hello, my name is Dennis White and I am an alcoholic. Even though I've never picked up a drink for the past 20 years, what is, your, what is, what is the, the R? What, what are you? Oh, I'm an alcoholic. But it's interesting here because, you know, the King James and the Bible is teaching us that we need to be careful about the action that we take. That's really the intention here. And the Hebrew word is, uh, the Greek word here is interesting because it says like, uh, this word means like, you know, the way that you're living, it means that you're under the influence of something, but you have to be careful with that word because if you're under the influence of something, if I'm under the influence of the flesh, then I am living according to the flesh, right? So the earthly things. You know, let's not get hung up on that word, the flesh, because earthly things, things that are not godly, right? That's what we mean by the flesh. So I'm living my life this way. That's, you know, and I, I'm under this influence, but that word being under the influence, we need to be careful because it could mean this, that I am like, I'm not in control. And we've already said that actually I, I'm not being passive in this relationship, that I'm actually in control and I have the ability to control my own thoughts. And, and God knows. And I can know something and I can think something. Okay? So that way if I am living according to the flesh, that means I am under the influence because I have submitted myself to a certain way of thinking that is not from God. So I am living in the flesh. It means I have said in my life that I don't want the things of God in this area of my life and I am completely satisfied by being influenced by Satan's kingdom. You know, we could, say the, we could lighten it with saying the world. You know, but, you know, let's say it for what it really is. It is Satan's kingdom. And I don't want to be influenced by Satan's kingdom because I am a believer and I want to be influenced by what? The kingdom of God. The mind of God. So in my daily thinking, am I being influenced by the mind of God? And am I controlling my thoughts according to the mind of God? Because there's two actions that are leading to two minds, and we, it's obvious what the two minds are. One is natural. Right? I, I, I want to be careful using that word flesh. I don't want to be too theological here. It is the natural mind because if we say flesh, we think of Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, right? It is adultery. It is, yeah, you can put it up there because I didn't put it in my notes. It is all these terrible sins. That mountain is not a sin, though. That's beautiful. Galatians 5, 19. You know, these are sins, and these are the things that we think of, right? Now the works of the flesh are evidence, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, oh, sorcery, hatred, contention. And you just go on and on, and you, you can say, like, well, these, these are terrible. Aren't these things terrible? And we would say, yes. But the flesh also includes things that are also not God, that, like that are good, but not from God. Okay? The flesh includes things that are good, 
but not, not of God. You know, what did Adam and Eve, what tree did he eat from? The knowledge of what? The tree of what? Good and evil. There's evil there, right? There's also what? There's also good there. So can, can things that are natural, that are, can things that are good, can they be ungodly? Yes. The Bible says very clear, the tree has the same roots as the evil part of the tree. And it is because it is not from God. So we have to be careful just because it will give me more money, just because it will give me a comfortable life, just because it gives me what I want. It doesn't mean it is from the kingdom of God. Sometimes the decision that God wants me to make could bring me down a road that is so terrible. It could bring me down a road that is full of persecution. It could bring me down a road of suffering. I mean, look at Job. Did he suffer? Was that God's will? Absolutely. Look at Jonah. Was that God's will? Absolutely. Look at David. Was that God's will? Absolutely. Over, I mean, Abraham wandered in the wilderness. He was a rich man who wandered, but he still wandered, you know, he still wandered in the desert. He never had a home. Was that God's will? Absolutely. Yet he, I am sitting here and I am so consumed about seeking and being mindful of things that God hasn't ordained in my life and I reject the Word of God, I reject the church, I reject Bible study, I reject prayer, I reject you know, worship music, I reject the things of God because I am so concerned. I am so entertained of the things of this world. So that is one mind. But then there is the other mind that is the supernatural. And that is the mind who is spiritual. And that is the mind that Christ, that God wants us to be consumed with. He wants us to think about things that are spiritual. They are, they are, that they are supernatural. I mean, what are some things that are supernatural that God would have us to think about? Isn't there a Bible verse that says something like that? Whatsoever things are, can anybody quote it? Pure, noble, and we're like stumbling, and at the end it says, think on these things. How about forgiveness? Should we think about forgiveness? Should we think about what is real righteousness? Should we think about grace and mercy? Should we think about our brother who, or sister in the church who is suffering and needs a phone call. We should be thinking about these things. Let's turn. Yeah, we're getting close to the closing here. Matthew chapter 16. Uh, this will be, I don't know, this is from the ESV. Can we change translations on this thing? Or is that going to cause the computer to blow up? Oh, nice. Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. I, like, I don't know what the New King James says. That's why I'm asking you to turn the ESV. It says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. 22, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, 
that shall never happen to you. Verse 23 is amazing. But he turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. I love that part of the verse. Listen to this. It says, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. Isn't that an amazing passage? I never saw that before. I mean, as I was studying this message on setting our mind on things from heaven and thinking about spiritual things and really, you know, to begin to train our minds to think about God, to train our minds to, like, be at church consistently. I mean, you know we have a Bible study here on Thursdays? Did you guys know that? I mean, we announce it. Did you guys know we do that? Yeah. Did you know on Thursdays we have 20 minutes of prayer? And it is amazing. I say that because, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I say that because there's not many people here on Thursdays. And it's okay. Like, I, I'm not, doesn't bother me. Because I'm chafed in the mind. You know, but we drive, you know, an hour and a half here on Thursday nights to be here and we don't look at it as loss or suffering, do we, Gary? Like, we don't sit there and complain the whole ride. Usually the ride here is a lot of fun. The ride home, everybody's tired and silent. Everybody's asleep except the driver. <laughs> Usually I'm half asleep. <laughs> but I'm saying that to say this, is that sometimes the work of God can seem like it's suffering, right? Right? But we are here, and the presence of God is here. And I want to encourage you guys to come out. That's, that's the only reason I say that. But this passage is so amazing, and we see a couple things. Number one, in verse 21, we see the plan of God being revealed. And what is the plan of God? You know, being blessed by God, riches, new car, new house. And what is that? The prosperity gospel, right? A faith preacher, they're called. I want to listen to a faith preacher. <laughs> I was, uh, we were in the mission fields, you know, for, like I said, eight years. And, you know, I had somebody, you know, and at times we had very little money, you know, so, such little money that we were eating things like cabbage soup. You take cabbage and you boil it and you, that's your dinner. And, you know, and I had somebody say, you know the reason why you have to suffer so much in the mission field? It's because you have no faith. If you had more faith, God would give you more money. And I just sat there and laughed at him. I said, well, you get a little more faith, and you leave your comfortable couch in America and join us, and we'll see how much faith you have. <laughs> you know, but look at this. God's revealed plan in verse 21. What does it mean? That it says that Jesus is going to suffer. Suffer. He's going to suffer a little bit. No, it says that Jesus is going to suffer what? Many Many things. And this is God's revealed plan. And Jesus knew it from the very beginning. And he is now revealing it to his own disciples. And this is the plan of God. Suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed. That is God's plan. How many of you would enjoy if that was God's plan for you? How many of you would enjoy it? Like, hey guys, God gave me a dream. I'm going to suffer, and then I'm going to die. This is so much fun, guys. I can't believe this dream I had. 
No, we don't talk like that, right? This is like a little, little strange. But here Jesus is, he, he knows the plan of God. And I don't, that's like, I mean, God's plan is that you'll probably die because of, actually, that's Adam's plan. Not this Adam. You know, the first Adam. Because he sinned and now we all got to die. And then we go to heaven, you know. But, you know, it is part of the plan now that we will die, right? We can say that. But God's plan for you, what is it? I mean, this is an amazing, I mean, we could talk about this. God does have a plan. He does have a purpose for each person here. And you, know and you will never experience that plan and purpose outside the church of God. I don't know if I said that from here. I know I said it in some small groups. You'll never experience God's plan and purpose outside the church. Because the gifts of God are given for what? The church. All the gifts of God are given for the church. Even the gift of evangelist is given for what? The church. You know, so you will not experience the call of God or the plan of God outside of the church. So you've got to be here or somewhere, another church, to experience God's call. But this is a part of his revealed plan. And you know what? Verse 22, what does it reveal? It reveals the first mind, the natural mind, man's natural mindedness. And what does the natural mind do? It always contradicts the plan of God. The natural mind always contradicts the plan of God. And that is why, you know, we see in verse 23 that Jesus had to come in. And what did he have to do to Peter? He had to correct the natural mind. And here it is. In our own thought process, we go through this every single day, sometimes every single moment. This happens on a, a micro scale, but it also happens on the macro scale, right? But I, I want to say this. If we can learn to recognize this on the micro scale and what God does in our life on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, then we will learn to have victories with God every single day and on the macro scale. And what do we have to learn? We have to learn God's revealed plan. And that comes through his word. That comes through the word of God. God reveals his plan first through the word of God. I mean, very simply, he, his will is that all are saved. Right? So he wants me to be saved. Well, you're here and you're saved, so you are functioning in a part of the will of God. And it continues you know, that he wants you to be in a body of Christ. He wants you to be in, engrafted in the body of Christ. And it, can, and it continues. And we realize this as we open the Bible. What is God's plan for my life? But then it becomes very specific, right? Something that God speaks through you, to you through a rhema. What is that? What is God's plan? And then I take and I process that first through the natural man. Because that's what happens, so let's be real. I'm not like a, a super Christian here, and neither are you. We don't process that through the mind of Christ. We process it through the natural man. And it contradicts God's mind, and it contradicts. But God always brings correction. And the correction is designed to point the finger at where we are contradicting God's word. Rhema or revelation, I don't know which one. But God always points the finger and says, right there, right there. And then what do we do with it? What do we do? What do we do? And it's funny because this story, 
Did God's correction have any effect in the story? Those that know the whole story did it. I mean, doesn't he go on to say before the crow, crow or the, uh, the, uh, the rooster crows, you will deny me? And what does Peter do? He denies Jesus. Yet Jesus corrected him. Yet it didn't have any effect. But, but, but that wasn't the end of the story. All the way at the end, Jesus is resurrected. He's revealed himself at least two times to Peter. And he's still struggling in his faith. And he asks, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know, I love you. But it's like, no, I don't love you the way you're asking is what Peter's saying. But I love you this way. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you this way, but not that way. Because he felt so guilty. See, this is what happens in our mind. We need to have heavenly thinking because this is what happens in our mind. We become so hung up on the reality of our sinfulness, of our, of our wrongness, of our weakness. And that guilt becomes so heavy that we cannot go forward with Christ. So we need to allow God's love to come in. Peter, do you love me? You know, Fiona, you know, God is saying, do you love me? Heidi, do you love me? You know, Gary, Gary, and Gary, do you love me? <laughs> you know, do you love me? Do you love me? And what is the answer sometimes? It's, yes, Lord, I love you. And we get up quickly. But to see what we need to do is we need to allow God to come in and correct our natural thinking with his thinking. You know how that happens? It happens through the word of God. It happens through brothers. You know, pick up the phone. Call somebody. Go to their house and knock on their door. Because we need people. We need people to come in and correct our thinking. You know, God's not going to, you know, there's not going to be lightning. It's not going to strike me and God's voice be spoken. It's going to happen through the preaching. It's going to happen through uh, an open Bible. It's going to happen through prayer. And it's going to happen through you. And all of a sudden, God comes in and he says, this is my mind. This is how I think. And you can say, okay, God. Okay. Okay. I agree. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this message. And this world is telling us how to think. Actually, this world is telling us how not to think. It's teaching passivity. It's teaching us to consume mass amounts of information with no filter. It's teaching us to receive the mind of the earth, to care about money, to care about, to care about wealth, to care about our cars, to care about rest. But Lord, you want us to be disciples. You want us to be learners. That's what the word disciple means. You want us to learn. You want us to begin to entertain the things of God. Lord, and I pray that you'll have us do that. We want to be entertained, you know, and I don't mean it like in the Netflix kind of way, but I mean it like I want to think and I want to entertain spiritual things.
I want to be, Lord, help me to be consistent at church. Help me to be consistent at a Bible reading. Help us to get, go to the small groups. Help, help me to have the Bible more and more because the devil is relentless. And I pray this for myself. I pray this for each one of us sitting here today. I pray for those that are here that maybe should have been here. <laughs> and they're, maybe they're not here because they are mindful of the things of the flesh. And that's okay. Because the Lord comes in and initiates correction and initiates love. And he gives me an opportunity to respond to him. We just thank you and we praise you, Lord. Just give us a great afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen.